0: Hello, and welcome to Reasonable Disagreements, a Hoover Institution podcast on law and policy. My name's Adam White. I'm a research fellow at the Hoover Institution, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend Richard Epstein. Richard, how are you?
1: I'm fine, thank you.
0: Well, Richard, today's an important day. It's the beginning of something very important, namely baseball season, but it also seems to be the end of something, or at least the beginning of the end of something, and that's the Mueller investigation. We're taping this on Thursday, March 28th, and just a few days ago, on Friday the 22nd, Director Mueller ended his investigation and submitted a report to the Attorney General, William Barr. And then just a couple of days later, on Sunday, William Barr issued his own letter to leaders in Congress giving a brief four-page summary of the Mueller report's findings. Now, as you might expect, as all of our readers know, this letter has sparked no shortage of controversy. Richard, as always, I'm curious, what was your reaction to all this so far?
1: Well, I have a slightly triumphant, I told you so. Uh, We've done this topic many times on our show, and that each and every occasion I said I did not think there was a shred of evidence which supported the collusion charge, um, whether it be by direct evidence or by motivation, even though there was ample evidence to support the fact that the Russians wanted to mess things up. I thought that the terms of reference with respect to the report were wrong from the outset. They should have asked about the influence of the Russians on the American campaign and any possible source of collusion. They should not have tied it exclusively to Trump. The Russian objective as far as I'm concerned was not to see that Trump would win. They could not do that. They wanted to foul the waters for whoever won by putting doubts and intrigues in everybody's mind and they succeeded beyond their wildest dream in able to do that. So there's no surprise. On the obstruction issue, I thought that Mueller Punted unduly. Uh, There was the 19 page memo that uh, Barr had written in his private capacity. I actually went back and reread that. It's an excellent memo. And it's not a question of what the facts are in that case. It's a question of what the standard is for obstruction. It has to be corruption in all cases. There are two kinds of cases that you could bring. One is you could bring something for the despoil evidence, the spoilation of evidence and its destruction and so forth. That would be the charge you would bring against Hillary Clinton for what she did with respect to the emails. And that charge is good whether or not she's innocent of any substantive crime but on the other half of this corrupt influence is a very different situation if in fact you think that somebody is innocent and you decide that I'm not going to prosecute, if that counts as corrupt innocent, ignorance, corrupt, innocent, if that counts as corrupt influence, uh, then it turns out that everybody's guilty of that whenever they make any internal decision inside the department so for those cases you have to show that there's some belief in the absolute falsity of the particular uh, behavior of the person, uh, So that the charges do ream true and if the charges then ream true and you try to suppress it, then it's an interesting case. But there seems to be no evidence of that with anything that happened with respect to Flynn and Comey. So I thought he should have given them a clean bill of health on both things. Uh, The third thing, which was not mentioned in the summary, so I suspect it's not mentioned in the report, is to me in many ways the most important, which is I do not think that Mueller conducted any investigation of the influence of Christopher Steele and the Democratic National Convention on the FBI during the course of the uh, run-up to the election in the fall of 2016. Uh, that certainly could have been read within the terms of his reference, and he did the Democrats an enormous favor by leaving them out. Uh, so I think in effect the Democrats got somewhat better than they deserve, but they will always find some dark motive, some selective suppression of information, some novel legal interpretation that they could put forward. I regard all of this stuff as whistling in the dark. I think in the end it will tend to make them look more buffoonish than they already have what they should do is to say we overspoke we're sorry mr trump we owe you an apology on these issues let's move on now to the important things that face the country
0: like health care and your views well richard if you're going to declare victory i think i'll declare victory as well i've thought from the very beginning it was important that there'd be a very serious investigation of these allegations especially in light of president trump then candidate trump's own statements on the campaign trail asking for russia to to find the emails and so on and also the suspicious behavior of the, the changing of the rnc platform on ukraine at the convention something just didn't smell right and i thought that the investigation seemed warranted i also thought as i said a number of times on this podcast that i thought robert Mueller was probably the ideal person to carry out this investigation that's and so where we two- disagree well, for two years, I think the proof is in the pudding so far. I think that the letter shows that it was a thoughtful and careful investigation. If we ever see the report, and we'll talk some about that, we'll find out you know, what exactly is in there. But I always thought Mueller was the ideal person to do a serious investigation. I thought that in the most part, um, it, it went well. Along the way, as I mentioned in the podcast, I always wished that the uh, investigation would telegraph in advance its view of some of the – trickier legal standards just so we could have arguments about that before we got the facts in so at least we had some sort of settled view of what the law was that was being applied but on the whole i thought that Mueller was probably the ideal person to do this and i think that uh he and his team acquitted itself so to speak pretty well now of course all we have so far is the four-page letter i presume i think it's i think I think it's pretty safe to presume that the letter will be a a pretty accurate reflection of a Mueller report. I think Barr would have to be professionally suicidal to do anything other than accurately represent the report in this letter. But now we're all waiting for the full report or some redacted version of it to come out. Do you think we'll ever see it?
1: Well, I think the answer is we'll some version, but let me first disagree with you. I do not think that Mueller was the ideal candidate. I think, ironically, the fact that he was not an ideal candidate, it was understood to have, if anything, a predisposition against Trump, uh, makes the conclusion more powerful for the president than it would otherwise have been. So in that sense, it's surely a blessing in disguise. On the other hand, I did mention the point about whether or not there was any effort to pursue democratic irregularities during the campaign, and it seems from the summary Report which mentioned nothing about that—that that, that topic was not covered—and an ideal investigator in my mind would have looked at both sides of the thing. And it's a lot easier given available documents to create not collusion but certainly massive improprieties in the electoral process and corruption in the f in the FBI, given all the things that are known to be on record. And I think that that should have been done. Uh, the well, wait. reason he. D- before
0: you go on further, I, I just got to interject, Richard. It, I don't think it was in the original mandate from the deputy attorney general. So are you saying that Mueller was wrong to not pursue it? Or are you saying that the Justice Department was wrong to not assign the task to Mueller?
1: Well, it's a little bit of both. Uh, What happens is certainly I think they should have been more explicit in the directive. But secondly, they do have this question about collateral and indirect matters that follow from the investigation that you're running. This was thought to be the hook on which you could go after the records of Paul Manafort 10, 12 years ago with respect to irregularities. I think that that hook is broad enough so as to sweep in uh, the campaign with respect to the Clintons, particularly since so much of the credibility of what's going on in this investigation depended upon the charges that were made and released from Jim Comey through a third party into the record and the FISA warrants and everything else. So I think, in fact, they could have done it or at least explain very clearly why it is they chose not to do it. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, the first point is the entire original directive from Rosenstein was wrongly conceived because it was too narrow. Uh, but there was this out and I would have thought that it was perfectly appropriate under the circumstances to take advantage of it. My guess is they did not. That is, judging from the report, I don't think there's anything that's said about this, which means that we're now going to have two years later another investigation. The Democrats won't touch it in the House, and the Republicans will be all over it in the Senate, and hopefully somebody in a neutral position will get to the bottom of all of this. Uh, There are, are, in my view, serious grounds to believe that some of the key officials inside the FBI and the Clinton campaign, perhaps even Mrs. Clinton herself, are guilty of obstruction or falsification of records or violations of this, that, and the other statute. And I think that that has to be aired. I feel very troubled about this because my general view is I don't like political prosecutions even when they're warranted. Uh, So if all this stuff were true, I'd be very reluctant to sue Mrs. Clinton or to prosecute her. I don't feel that way about about Comey or anybody else inside the Justice Department like McCabe and so forth who work with him because I think in that particular case – there really was a situation in which the FBI took an incredible credibility hit precisely because it behaved in a political and partisan fashion. So I'm all over the map on this one, uh, I I can be pushed any which way, Uh, but it seems perfectly clear to me that the Democrats should wish for silence. And the more they want to push the obstruction claim inside the House, the more it's clear that's going to happen is that the Republicans are going to pursue the Democrats inside the Senate. And it's going to be perhaps another two years before we get under this. The president's position should be, thank you, Mr. Mueller. I thought it was a witch hunt, uh, but now I'm happy to be proved wrong, at least in so far as I was concerned. And then he should just shut up.
0: Now, let's talk a little bit about the substance of the four page letter. Um, the, the two major findings. First, uh, quote, uh, there's a quote, the, the letter quoting the report the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. Um, and then later on, it said uh, with respect to obstruction of justice, the Mueller investigation team did not draw its own conclusions it evidently uh, placed facts on both sides of the ledger and as the bar letter quotes again the special counsel quote while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime it also does not exonerate him and then the attorney general deputy attorney general go on to decline to prosecute let's talk about this first one Uh, the collusion issue Said the investigation did not establish that there was collusion now Well, the reaction among many of Trump's critics on both the left and the right has been to forcefully uh, shout down anybody who says this letter indicates Mueller found no evidence of collusion. People, Trump's critics seem to see there's a strong difference between saying there was no evidence of collusion versus, as this letter would put it, that did not – find any evidence that established collusion. What do you make of the folks who are trying to draw that distinction and say that there's still a possibility that there's evidence of collusion?
1: Well, I think they're trying to hit on a perfectly sensible legal point at least in theory. That is, many times when you refuse to prosecute a case criminally, what you do is you believe that there's even enough evidence to establish by a preponderance that certain events did take place, but you can't get the clear and convincing evidence, let alone get to beyond a reasonable doubt. So what you do is you decline to prosecute. And then if somebody else wants to pick up the matter as a civil, civil issue, you don't have self-incrimination as a defense, and it turns out you've got the lower burden to prove be good and go ahead of it. I don't think that's what he meant when he said that. I think he meant that we've managed to scrape everything apart and we did not have any events of any sort whatsoever. So the view that the Democrats are putting forward is there may have been two or three low-level contacts which did or did not get the people inside the – uh Trump higher office, and so that's enough to say that we should investigate further. But if you recall, if you look at the way in which you said the thing, it's not that they just exonerated in this particular point uh, Trump. It was the Trump campaign. Uh, So they're not prosecuting anybody else. Remember, one of the common arguments that had been made earlier was, all right, we may not be able to go after Trump, but one of his underlings, one of his children, one of his sons-in-laws, one of his officials may have been involved in this either. And Mueller didn't do that either. Now, why is it that he's playing as scrupulous? Well, I think, A, I do think he has a professional sense about him, which has come out in his best way, but there's also a horrible price that he would have to pay if he recommended prosecution on a record that's wafer thin. At that particular point, even if they brought it, he's going to be humiliated as he's going to be destroyed, and if they don't... Bring it because the evidence is insufficient. He's going to look like something of a fool. So I think it is highly unlikely uh, that there is some quantum of evidence out there which could pique the Democratic curiosity, even if it turns out he thought that the record as a whole exonerated the the president. My guess is that the cupboard was bare in this particular case, and that's exactly why it was that Mueller found it easy to say, I can't go ahead uh, with any case having to do with collusion. And you? Well, I
0: should say since I declared victory at the beginning of the podcast, I should say I was always open to the possibility that there was some sort of low-level collusion, not between Trump and Putin or Trump and Russians. I always thought the idea of there being some sort of bat phone contact between president or then-candidate Trump and the Russians was preposterous. But given the people he surrounded himself with, in particular Paul Manafort, who had worked for unsavory characters in Russia, and Roger Stone, who seemed to have some sort of interactions with Wiki- with WikiLeaks and people who knew about WikiLeaks, I was always open to the possibility that there was some collusion there to borrow a line from on um, the old sitcom Arrested Development, there may have been a little light treason, so I was very interested in what what the report was going to find uh, the investigation was going to find with respect to collusion, and when the the letter indicated the other way that there was no evidence that could establish collusion, I wasn't surprised, but I thought it was an interesting finding. I have been surprised like I said, by the folks who want to really really draw a big distinction between saying there is no evidence of collusion and saying there is no evidence that established collusion. And I suspect that's where we're headed if this report is ever released in any relatively full form, that we will see a giant fight over evidence that the Mueller investigation did not find established collusion. And we'll find a lot of the president's critics recharacterizing it as evidence of collusion. I think fundamentally there's a basic disagreement, not just over what the trump campaign did or did not do we're going to have a lot of uh argument and disagreement over what it means for something to be evidence of something or what it means for something to establish something and i have to admit i look forward to those arguments even less than i looked forward to most of the other arguments around here on these issues now, uh, on the, go ahead go ahead
1: now there is an irony here the democrats may rue what they wish for which is a release of the report in my view, they should release the report, at least to the extent that you don't have compromised intelligence information for which redaction may be appropriate. And in certain cases, it seems to me that you want to be very careful about uh, putting in a false light some individuals who've been investigated but were found guilty of no wrong. Uh, you mentioned earlier on that there's nothing wrong with the way in which Mueller proceeded. I think there was. I think there are a lot of people I like caught Carter- at page who are financially ruined by these kinds of situations, not a word of apology, not any recognition as far as I can tell uh, that the investigation overstepped its limits. But if I'm a Republican, I want all this stuff out there because then the Democrats are going to have to point to whatever little thread they think is going to establish the uh, collusion campaign. I just don't think they can do it. I think Miss Pelosi at this point turns out to be the adult in the room on the Democratic side against a bunch of dwarfs. And her basic attitude is she wants to pivot away. From that to something else, uh, she has very good political instincts, and I think that this is a complete loser for them. If I were the situation, I would. If I were Barr. I would do what the president urged. I would prepare a responsible redaction and get it out as quickly as possible. If somebody says, well, why are you doing a redaction? If you think back to all the various reports that were done by the investigative committees in the House and the Senate when the Republicans controlled both, they were always redacted reports. And the only question is how you run the redaction. And in my view, what you do with a redaction is you don't make them unilaterally. You find somebody whom you can trust in confidence on the other side of the political spectrum and have them review the redaction actions to make sure that you're not concealing information which is salient to the result. But I've long held that there's just nothing whatsoever that makes any sense about this particular case. Everybody has independent motives for doing things without collusion. The Trump campaign may be thrilled that Obama's uh, – or that uh, – not Obama, that Putin is throwing mud on the, on, on the Democrats, may not be pleased that he's throwing it on him, um, the Putin people have every reason to try to disrupt the American election, but that doesn't prove that there's any connection between the two of them. If you want to say, well, there's implied collusion, then in effect this guy is guilty no matter what he says, no matter what he does. These are criminal charges. You cannot use a definition of collusion so cohesive uh, that you are necessarily guilty for running a political campaign.
0: Richard, you make it sound as though the fact that they didn't establish collusion in the investigation means the investigation shouldn't have happened. I just don't believe that. I think, again, President Trump's statements on the campaign trail, statements of others around him, Russia's obvious interest in the campaign, Putin himself said afterwards that they they preferred Trump over Clinton. I think there was more than enough there to justify an investigation of some sort, and I'm glad the investigation happened. I certainly don't think Mueller should apologize for undertaking the investigation. Um, but like I said, I think the investigation was a good thing, and I think it ended well, at least it seems to be ending well. I guess it's not officially over yet until the full report comes out, and we'll see if the full report comes out. Like you said, the report itself is going to have to be redacted at the very least to uh, to conceal grand jury information, which is protected from disclosure under the federal rules of criminal procedure. There's also going to be surely some national security information in there that is classified and needs to be redacted. And there's also going to be difficult choices to make about how much other information to disclose about people who are not being charged with wrongdoing. There's always a difficult, delicate balance in the Justice Department on to what extent you comment on or disclose information about uncharged conduct. And as I understand it, if anything, the Justice Department and prosecutors err on the side of reticence in the interests of the privacy of the people who are being discussed. And I think it's a very difficult call about how much of that information should be put into a public version of the report, which leads to, I think, the next nightmare scenario. There's going to be the report released in redacted form, and then to the extent that the unredacted portions don't support President Trump's critics' arguments, we're then going to have loud, loud arguments over whether there should be a unredacted report. And by the way, I don't think an unredacted report would satisfy everyone either. Today, uh, in the car, I heard a bit of CNN on my radio, and if I heard a congressman correctly, he was saying, I don't know who it was, but I heard him say that they should release not just the full report, but all materials that the report relies upon. And so even an unredacted report might be seen as insufficiently transparent for some of President Trump's opponents. And so while I said at the beginning of this podcast maybe this is the end of something, it's certainly not the end of the debates. And I worry that we're going to have more and more arguments, more procedural arguments, like a never – if you want to put it in sports sports metaphors, like a never-ending argument over instant replay – Um, that tends to become just more and more tendentious and tedious as everybody just uh, digs in.
1: As Yogi Berra said, it ain't over till it's over, and this may never be over. But I'm going to, again, say a following thing. There may have been a case to run some sort of an investigation. That's not a case to, A, put the terms in the way in which they were done in the General Rosenstein report. That's not to say that Mueller should have been chosen to do this, given his close connections with Rosenstein and and, and, and Jim Comey as well. Uh, so I still think there's some lingering harms with respect to that. I also think Mueller did a disservice by taking two years to come out with this particular report, um, allowing the political stuff to bubble over. But I think you're absolutely right. Nothing that is said at this particular point uh, by uh, Barr or by the president or by anybody else will satisfy the Democrats. There's a parallel here uh, with Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, The administration turns over thousands upon thousands of pages of stuff. It claims privilege with respect to sensitive material that Kavanaugh had when he served as the chief of staff for uh, George Bush in a way that he was a paper runner back and forth across various offices, and they wanted all of that stuff. So there's always going to be a demand for more, and I think what we really have to do is to establish this custom that we have at least some minimal trust in our public officials who do these things, uh, that they are not basically hiding information. And it's, it's particularly ironic that they're doing this when it turns out it's their man Mueller who had done all of this stuff. And as I said earlier, and I'll say it again, it's a blessing in disguise now that there's an exoneration for the president uh, that the exoneration came from somebody who was thought to be unreproachable. Totally correct uh, by all of his defenders. Remember, uh, Jeff Flake managed to wreck the nominations of about 10 or 12 very able individuals for judicial positions because of his bizarre insistence that the administration promised not to fire Mueller. Well, everybody knew that the administration would not fire Mueller. And in fact, if I'm the president, then I know that I'm innocent. And I know that he doesn't have any evidence whatsoever. Why would I want to sort of make it appear so I'm guilty by taking an action which is going to little bit mind everybody the Saturday, Saturday Night Massacre with somebody like Archibald Cox? So, yes, this is not going to change anything soon. I regard the Democrats as having the following fatal intellectual frame of mind. They so hate Trump on every substantive issue, on every matter of style, on every matter of sensibilities, that they're willing to presume guilt on the strength of the fact that he's utterly unacceptable. You recall on other shows, maybe not this one because we didn't have it then, I was quite happy to call for his resignation after I thought the fiasco took place in January of 2017. Uh, My argument was Trump's a real liability. Trump does not know how to behave. Mike Pence will be just fine, thank you. I would never, ever want to see anything happen if it turned out you'd get a Democrat in the White House. Whatever the problems with Mr. Trump, I think the petulant display that you've seen on the other side, it gives you no confidence whatsoever that the Democrats have the sophistication or the, shall we say, intellectual distance to be able to run a Justice Department in a prudent and responsible fashion. I'm sure there are many people inside that party who do have all those nice characteristics, but I think the collective geist on the Democratic side has been frightfully disappointing. That's true of all the critics out there at large and it's true of the people inside the Senate. They cannot, on the House, they cannot accept an adverse verdict. That's not a good way to behave. I, I believe this one. I believed it from the beginning that this just did not add up. And I wish that other people would come forward and say, you know, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Uh, And God knows there are a lot of people who owe that kind of an apology.
0: It's funny when you said that firing, you know, that nobody thought that the administration would fire Mueller. I never assumed uh, that President Trump was incapable of waking up one morning and Firing Mueller on on Twitter or otherwise, yeah, it would have made him look guilty. But then again, President Trump did the exact same thing when he fired James Comey, and that made him look guilty, too. And he still did sort of a touchdown victory dance for days after firing Comey until I think they realized that they had made a real political error. And so I've, I, never, I, I never assumed that President Trump wouldn't fire Mueller. I'm sure I always figured his advisors would try to stop him from doing it. But President Trump, as you may have heard, tends to be a, a somewhat volatile uh, and, no. uh, and a volatile decision maker. And I think there's a big difference between Mueller on the one hand and Comey
1: on the other. I would have fired Comey as well because of the stunts that he did when he was the FBI head in the Obama administration for the stuff thereafter. There is no way in which you can credibly say that the president has a working relationship with Mr. Mueller who's running the investigation. That is not true about the relationship that the president has with Mr. Comey. I think firing somebody in whom you have no trust who has been subject to all sorts of very serious and well-poised criticisms from both parties who has a close working relationship with you is perfectly appropriate. What was totally mindless about the president is – He said, I don't like the guy, not the reason you want to give. He could have also pointed to the fact that Rosenstein had laid out a system of errors that Comey had made and bad judgments and the like, which would have justified the particular dismissal. So this was a particularly suicidal mission. He did the right thing, and then he announced the wrong or at least the weaker reasons for so doing it. But I think whenever you stand in a relationship of trust with a key government official and you don't trust that government official, uh, you have to get rid of them. This is the whole battle over the unitary executive. And whatever we want to say about uh, the unitary executive, it doesn't apply in quite the same way to Mr. Mueller. So I think, in effect, that the Comey thing is perfectly appropriate. I do think it would have provoked an unnecessary constitutional crisis if we went after Mueller. What really has happened here is a kind of quasi-replay of the special caution problem that we have with Alexa Morrison going after Ted Olson, Uh, 30 years ago, and what happened in that particular case is she was completely independent and just ran riot, and it turns out in this particular case, Mueller was completely independent. He did not run riot. I think it's fair to say I disagree with what he did on many situations, and once you understand that degree of independence, it should not be difficult to persuade Mr. Trump, you can fire Comey, but you cannot, you cannot uh, fire Mr. Mueller. I would have been fiercely opposed to that particular decision even though I was critical of the appointment. And the president has a lot of this to blame on the president. He should have never named Jeff Jeff Sessions as his attorney general. It takes him out of the Senate, which turned out to turn the seat. And in addition to that, it immediately places Sessions under suspicion because he was such an active supporter of the president during the campaign that had just preceded it. Uh, Trump is guilty of atrocious political judgment in many cases, but that does not mean he was guilty of collusion.
0: For all the talk about Comey, I have to point out that in some ways the end game, it seems, in the Mueller report, it reminds me a lot of the end game of, or well, it wasn't the end game, I suppose, but what originally seemed to be the end game in the summer of 2016 with Comey's investigation into Hillary Clinton and the email issue. As you have here in this uh, letter, um, the point that the, the, the Mueller investigation goes out of its way to say that on the obstruction issue, it neither inculpates uh, the president nor does it exonerate him. And for me, that language reminded me a lot of Comey's statement at the end of the original Clinton investigation where he said she was not guilty, She at least she would not be prosecuted for violating federal law, but she was extremely careless in what she did. And when Comey made that statement in that press conference, Senator Clinton, Secretary Clinton's supporters erupted in outrage. They said how it is completely wrong and and contrary to Justice Department rules and norms for the investigator to conclude that somebody didn't commit a crime, but that they should still be criticized for their conduct. In a way, that's what Mueller is doing here. And so there's a great irony that President Trump's critics are now demanding that Mueller not just... Make this report public, but now they demand that Mueller testify before Congress and they'll demand that he offer commentary on the investigation, on the subjects of the investigation, people who are not being charged with crimes regarding, regarding obstruction. And I think they're going to demand that he do precisely the thing that this, many of the same people criticized Comey for doing. Well, and there's one other. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, please. Yeah, you're
1: right about that. Now, to, just to make it a little bit worse, Comey, of course, managed to misstate the law at the time that <laughs> he exaggerated Mrs. Clinton. Uh, uh, yes, she did not have any improper motive, but an improper motive is not part of any of the offenses associated with the unauthorized use of a server. All you have to say is she used it. No, she did not get the appropriate approval, sign-offs, and protection, and she is guilty of a very serious crime, the sort of thing which got many other people cashiered out of the military service and in some cases subject to criminal prosecution. So he was just so far off based on that. Uh, And yet, on the other hand, in his own weird way, he kind of saved her because if he had said, I recommend the prosecution and the uh, Obama administration decided not to go ahead with it, uh, that would have changed everything in the political campaign uh, that sort of followed. I think, in effect, that Mr. Mueller should tell them in no uncertain terms. I did the best I could by this investigation. My report speaks for itself. I'm not going to go back and start to tell you all of the internal deliberations that we made about who supported what position and what kinds of phrases. Uh, you just have to look at this. And if you wish to attack the report, you can get whatever collateral evidence you want from whatever experts you can find to do so. But you cannot essentially try to cross-examine me. I stand behind my own work. And by the way, on that, I would support him Foursquare.
0: Now, in all this, I want to point out there's a second important irony. Throughout the entire course of two years of investigation, you had the president's critics, myself included, voicing their concerns that the president would improperly derail the investigation, either personally by firing Mueller or his political appointees asserting improper pressure on the investigation. From what it appears, that didn't happen. And now that the report is filed, I think the tables might be turning. And suddenly it's many of President, critics own, President Trump's own critics who are the ones now pressuring the Justice Department to, to go past their usual rules and norms in terms of speaking to Congress, in terms of disclosing information about uncharged conduct, and so on. All of the institutional restraints in the Justice Department apply equally now as they did before. And I think all of us ought to, whatever side of the investigation we were on, uh, I think it's important for everybody to respect those institutional norms. I wrote about that some at commentary, and I still wasn't satisfied with it. I went on to make some more points on a blog post this week at medium.com, where I said in all of this, it seems President Trump's critics wanted all the benefits of the institutional power of the Justice Department in investigating the president. But now that that investigation's over, they don't want to be burdened by the restraints and responsibilities that come with that institutional power. And so we'll see how it plays out. But I think it's very ironic that now suddenly the president's critics are the ones pushing the Justice Department in a certain direction to serve certain political ends.
1: Look, you're right. I mean, the rule of law is one of these neutral virtues that everybody should believe in and also one of those wonderful virtues that everybody can abuse when neglect as the occasion is gone. I think what has happened under these circumstances is the Democrats will play by the rules so long as they think the rules will benefit them. But the moment they run into a dead end or a disappointment, as they did with the Mueller report, then they'll insist that we go one step further. Remember, I said before, this is exactly what happened with respect to the way in which the Kavanaugh case was treated. Never take no as a final answer if there's some way in which you could up the ante and throw suspicion upon somebody else for concealing evidence that you would like to be revealed. And I think the only thing that can happen to make this workable is that some sensible members of the Democratic Party actually stand up against the stronger and louder progressive voices within the party and say, no, this is not something that ought to be done. Ideally, that should be both Chuck Schumer, good luck, and it also should be Nancy Pelosi where I do think she has actually been much more prudent on these things than he has been because I think strangely enough at this particular point in time, uh, she's the grown-up, the adult in the Democratic Party. I mean when I heard that she was going to be reelected as Speaker of the House for four more years under a deal, I said to myself, well, here we go again. And uh, here we do go again, but as far as I am concerned, the last six months of service that Miss Pelosi has put forward um, have been her finest hour in American politics precisely because uh, she's willing to stand up against the nutty claims of her own party. This is not meant to say that there's any substantive agreement between me and her on other issues, but I think you would agree legislation is one thing over which disagreements are quite legitimate, but when you want to break down established practices and protocol in the context of a criminal investigation, it's really not nice for somebody to say, we'll play by the rules until they disappoint us, and then we're just going to pile on some other obligations on Mueller or upon the president or upon his staff or upon somebody in an effort to, quote, unquote, get to the bottom of this. And I think, in effect, the principles of race judicator uh, do not apply in obvious ways to judgments that are made in the political arena, but the principle is, in fact, extremely important. There are times when you have to say, "Look, we've went through this. Thing, there's enough. Uh, The prospects of getting some important information that would change the outcome in a material way are so small relative to the enormous damage that you give to the political structure by making a continuing cause out of something which by now ought to be a distraction. So I quite agree with you on that. And I just hope that the Democrats come to their senses on these issues. Uh, the good news is the more they go after this stuff, the less they'll go after their social agenda, which is a blessing in disguise. But it's certainly not an excuse. But I think it promises to be pretty disreputable behavior. If the Kavanaugh hearing is any indication of how far the Democrats are prepared to go, uh, then it would be ironic indeed if Mr. Mueller, their former hero, right, is now going to be the, made the victim of a trash type of campaign.
0: Now, one last thing, Richard, before we wrap up, we focused mostly on the collusion issue. We haven't touched very much on the obstruction of justice issue. And that of the two issues seems to be the one where there's going to be the most debate going forward, because as the bar letter points out, the Mueller investigation tabulated facts on both sides of the ledger before declining to draw any conclusions about obstruction of justice. Um, as the letter says, the special counsel decided to just describe the facts and leave it to the attorney general uh, to determine whether the conduct re- uh, constitutes a crime. The letter says that the special counsel's office discussed these things along the way with certain department officials, and the attorney general, in making in reviewing the final report and making conclusions, consulted with department officials, including the Office of Legal Counsel, and so on. And in the end, Attorney General Barr Deputy General, Attorney General Rosenstein drew the conclusion that the facts as the Mueller report presents them do not rise to the level of a prosecutable uh, violation of a or sorry a prosecutable, prosecutable act of obstruction of justice. Everybody's waiting to see exactly what there is in the report. I'm sure it'll be the first part a lot of us all flip to. Richard, as you, if we ever get a redacted copy of this report, how do you think you're going to approach this? What will you be looking for as you judge whether the Attorney General made the right decision or not?
1: I would want to see whether or not there is something in the report which goes beyond the information that is already publicly available. And remember, the uh, stuff about collusion is by definition stuff which takes place in secret uh, the stuff that we're talking here about obstruction is stuff which in fact is all taken place in the public ear. Um, I don't see anything by way of evidence that is thought to be missing in these particular cases this is just a question of how it is when you look at all the evidence that's available you sum up the thing one way or another and I think one of the reasons why Barr moved as quickly as he did he stated his views on this in the memo that he wrote it is I think, consistent with general government policy. If you use a broader definition of obstruction of justice, uh, then Barack Obama should be charged with obstruction of justice for what he said in April of 2016. Because what he said is, I know Mrs. Clinton went well, and I certainly hope that there's nobody inside the attorney's general office that uh, will prosecute, and you know, there was Loretta Lynch in these particular statement, and the question is whether they made a decision to drop charges. They didn't want to use that language. To close the matter was the phrase they used. These are all massages that take place each of which could be read under the definitions that the Democrats purport to say as being obstruction charges. And there's a fine line as to what is or is not normal politics and what is or is not obstruction, but as far as I can tell, this case does not come particularly close to that line. It seems to me you have to show one of two things to make corruption or, 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 or essentially obstruction credible. One is you have to have the physical destruction of various kinds of evidence, memos, papers, emails, or whatever. Uh, that's exactly what you had in In the Clinton case, when she said, I'm destroying emails because they only relate to my daughter's wedding, that's not for her to discuss. She has to keep those things on record. That's obstruction of justice, even if it turns out she's innocent of any offense. And then there's all the influence stuff. And the only way you can deal with the influence stuff, in my judgment, is to show that the president believed or has strong reasons to believe that Michael Flynn was, in fact, guilty of some kind of an offense. And he was trying to cover it up from the – situation inside the Justice Department so it would not be prosecuted. There's no evidence, I think, of anything for that sort. And indeed, one of the things that's so tragic about the Flynn case is that they were all doing this on a kind of supposable, he's in violation of the Logan Act, speaking to a foreign government as this individual, notwithstanding the fact, A, the Logan Act may well be unconstitutional, and B, even if it's not unconstitutional, a person about to take a major office in the White House is allowed to speak with his opposite numbers in the Soviet Union and, or excuse me, Russia and everywhere else Um, without having to face some kinds of charges under these circumstances. And the other point, and again, this is why I'm not particularly a fan of Mueller, is that it is widely said that one of the reasons why Flynn decided to plead guilty was to avoid the prosecution of his children. And it's also, I gather, been the case that he sold virtually all of his house and property and everything else in order to defend himself and is essentially bankrupted by the particular investigation in question. I don't see anything whatsoever uh, that supports all that stuff. So if you want to praise Mueller for the report, I'm certainly with you. If you want to praise him for the various kinds of prosecutorial tactics that were used in the interim, I'm not with you. I think he went way over the line.
0: Well, Richard, our time's up, so I think we'll just have to agree to reasonably disagree. Um, That's terrific. <laughs> with that, we'll drink this podcast to a close. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Please check out the Hoover Institution's many other podcasts, including Richard's uh, podcast, The Libertarian. And until next time, uh, this is Reasonable Disagreements. This podcast has been a production of the Hoover Institution.